You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. Well, I'm in the second of a series from Romans. And uh, the title of the message today is The Character of a Committed Christian. The term Christian is widely used to describe those who believe in Jesus Christ. It's a follower of Jesus. Before we were called Christians, the Christian group was called People of the Way. People who followed Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It constitutes a great change in a person's life. Paul calls it a new creation. Jesus called it born again. And that's day one. And the change continues from there. Billy Graham, in talking about the Christian life, said, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It is a daily process whereby you grow by to be more and more like Christ. A real Christian is a person who can give his pet parrot to the town gossip. In living Jesus in front of others, our motives should always be pure. Paul was this kind of a Christian. He did not misuse his authority or influence for personal gain. He was an example of what a genuine Christian should be. And thus he could say in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Imitate me as I imitate Christ. We should all be able to say that. Effie, could you get me a glass of water, please? (coughs) That's the one thing wrong with this this system. If you have the cough, you can make a real... Like a clap of thunder. Thank you, Mark. Paul truly reveals his character of a committed Christian. And this is what every Christian should be. So the first point I want to make today is... uh, A committed Christian is thankful, is prayerful, and is surrendered. Romans 1, verses 8 to 10. Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit, and in the gospel of his Son, 
that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayer, making request if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Paul begins expressing his thankfulness for all Christians at Rome. Now, although Paul did not plant this church, he rejoiced in their success. This church was the talk of the entire Roman Empire. God was doing things. It was revival. People were coming to Christ. Miracles were taking place. And everywhere Paul traveled, the people were talking about those Roman believers. Paul was thankful. He could praise the Lord for other ministry success. And thus we always have to realize that we are a part of the body of Christ. In this church, I am a part of this body. I'm not the only one. And we make up a body within the local church. And then in the community, we also make up a body. So Colate Community Church is a part of the body of Christ in Colate. Every one of the other Bible-believing churches, and hopefully we're all Bible-believing people, we make up the body of Christ. And so just as you appreciate being able to see, but seeing is not everything in life, is it? Just because you're able to speak, speaking is not everything in life. Because you are able to walk, walking is not everything in life. And so it is within the church. We all have different kinds of beliefs and different ways of doing things and different methods, but put it all together and people are coming to Christ in Cold Lake. And we need to rejoice when there is something good happening in another church. We should not feel jealous over it, but we should rejoice and say, Lord, I'm glad that you're doing something in Coal Lake that goes way beyond us. If all that God is doing in Coal Lake this morning is happening within these walls, then we're in trouble. Coal Lake is in big trouble. But I thank God that God is moving by his spirit. And we can, we can rejoice when other ministries are having success. We should be thankful when other churches are growing and souls are being saved, even if it's transfer growth from this church. Even if somebody uh, leaves this church and goes to another church in town and they're being used of God, praise the Lord. That is so much better than, than hearing that they don't go anywhere now. That's a tragedy when somebody walks away from a church group and don't go anywhere. And so we rejoice when these sort of things happen. It's important that everyone has a church home. We can learn a lesson from Paul's attitude. The Christian church is a body. We're not in competition. Each church is doing their part in the harvest field. And when we get to heaven, we're not going to be Colake Community Church over here and the Lutheran Church over there. 
And the Baptist church over there, we are the body of Christ. And the Bible says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard and neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for us. The Holy Spirit has given us a glimpse. God has revealed some things to us by his Holy Spirit, but we don't know the fullness of what God has prepared. We should express genuine gratitude for the success of other ministries. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we read, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Not only should we be thankful, but we should also be prayerful. Paul's ministry was primarily that of preaching the gospel, which included teaching and planting churches. He also had a prayer ministry that was just as vital and just as necessary as planting churches and teaching the gospel. He made prayer a priority for individuals and for church groups. Prayer is necessary for every aspect of personal and church life. We need to pray about everything big and small. Don't wait until you're to your neck in it before you call out to God. When things are going good, make a practice of thanking him, realizing what God has done and praying that God will continue to lead you and guide you according to his plan and his purpose. We still need to keep praying, just as we did when we began here at Cole Community Church many years ago. Cole Lake Community Church grew out of the ashes of wilderness wandering through prayer. And many people, long before I came, prayed that God would stir once again that this congregation. Many people spent hours of prayer and believing that God would do something. And Effie and I came in on the coattails of that, and God was ready to do something in Cole Lake. But it was prayer, prayer, prayer. And I got a feeling that somehow, although we still do some praying, we're not praying like we used to pray. We are not dedicating ourselves to prayer like we once did. And I would plead with you as a congregation to get back to that place of prayer. Not only, in your, not only in your daily devotions, but also getting back to the house of God and praying corporately. When the day, when the, when on Wednesdays, when we come to pray, we could fill this place. We could have, have as many people in a prayer room than we have here right now because we got as many people that are here right now that are not here today that belong to this church. So we could easily have these many people Praying on a Wednesday night. And prayer is something that moves the hand of God. It, it's, it, it's when you get down to praying that you acknowledge before God, Lord, I'm not able to do this. I've got some desires. I've got a desire for my family. I've got a desire for my children, my husband, my wife, 
my parents, whatever it may be, my friends, and Lord, and I can't do nothing about it, but you can do something. You can pray. You can seek God's face, and God will do something. God can change hearts. He can change minds. He can change attitudes. He can change me. And you and I sometimes get in a rut. And we got to get out of that rut. God wants to do something. God is moving by his spirit all over Alberta. We don't know. Most of us, we, we just have our service here, and this is all we know about. But if you get out and you get around, you'll find out that God is moving. He's doing some awesome things in Alberta. And we want God to move here. And I know that prayer would be a great part of that. The Lord desires that, be willing, that we be willing to place his will ahead of our own. God can use a surrendered life for his glory. Not my will, but your will, Lord. Not my will. Lord, I don't want to go to men's group tonight. I just feel tired. Not my will, Lord. Your will. I will go because by my presence there, maybe some other man will, will come uh, uh, on Monday night and they will say, well, the pastor was there, so, you know, like it encourages me, so I'm, I'm going to come again. You see some other person there, you make friends with them and you hear what someone else's opinion on, on a certain part of Scripture is, and you get an opportunity to put in your two cents worth, and you grow together. Oh, I can't go to women's ministry, you know, like I, I just don't feel a part of it. Hey, it's not what you feel. Not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Lord, I want I want to be an influence upon other women. I want to be an influence upon other men. I want to be an influence upon other young people. Together, we need each other. Together, we're stronger than standing alone. Amen? This is what being a Christian is all about. It's not being lone rangers. It's not trying to put ourselves on a pedestal so that everybody is looking at us, but it is working together, being a team, and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct us according to God's plan and God's purpose. Jesus had a heart that knew no higher goal than pleasing God. Paul followed Jesus' example and he teaches us to do the same. Imitate me, just as I also imitate Christ. Imagine what the Lord could do with a church filled with people who were totally sold out to God. Secondly, the Christian church and the Christian life is meant for mutual blessing. It's blessing for me, but it's also blessing for you. In Romans chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, following on that chapter, Paul says, For I long to see you, verse 11, For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you 
while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. Paul declares that he wants to share with them the gifts that God has given him. Do you know that we are blessed to be a blessing? Anything that God gives me is not for me to keep for myself. Even the health and the strength that I have with the gifts that God has given me is not to be kept for myself. And that's why I'm still preaching the gospel rather than retired in Hawaii somewhere. It's because I've got an obligation before God to do with what he has given me to share it with others. God has blessed Paul with some special blessings and he wants to pass it on. We are blessed to be a blessing. Our blessings can produce fruit in other people. He desires to share with them that they might grow in the things of the Lord. And I am praying and trusting that since I have said yes to the Lord quite a few years ago now and uh, walked away from the oil field and, and walked away from a good retirement package and all of that stuff, that using the gifts and the, and the blessings that God is giving me and sharing that with other people, that at the end of my life, it will have counted for something. That one day when I get to heaven and however that's going to look like, and we all may have a, something in our mind of what it's going to look like in heaven, and I'm sure it's probably nothing like what we think, but... Uh, I, I am trusting that I'm going to meet some people that have never come up to me and said, Pastor, you know, you have really blessed my life. You, you helped me when I was on the wrong track. I was headed for hell, and, and, and I ended up here in heaven, you know, and, and you had a part in that. You know, that would be a real blessing if it works out like that. I don't know if it'll be like that, you know, but... You can think. I mean, that's our human way of thinking, right? But I just hope and pray and trust that my decision is a blessing, is going to be a blessing to many people, that I, I've met a lot of people in my lifetime, ministered to a lot of people, prayed for a lot of people, led a lot of people to the Lord. But, uh, you know, you, you minister to people, and you go on about your business, you don't see them anymore. You don't know what happens in their lives. But that's what God has done in my life. He has blessed me and given me something that I can share with other people. But that's not just for me. That's for all of us. Every one of us has a capacity to touch other people. And sometimes it's on the job, and sometimes you've got, a, you've got an opportunity to be able to do those sort of things right where you're working. But, but God uses us where we're at if we were, are willing to use the blessings that he has given us. 
God desires that you and I would be available to be used by him and to bless his church. Paul isn't inferring to the actual spiritual gifts here because they're only given by the Spirit of God, right? People would benefit from his ministry of preaching and teaching. The saints would be encouraged by his words of encouragement. Without a doubt, souls would be saved and added to the church. And this is what Paul is talking about. And this is something that can happen in my life and your life. Amen. I remember one time I, 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 I was a foreman working in a, in a processing plant for, in a dairy plant. And uh, you wouldn't believe I, had, I, I could share my faith because I was the foreman. And so... I had a lot of young guys working for me, and, uh, and uh, I would be sharing my faith, and all of a sudden, the temperature would go up on the milk, and uh, it would burn on, and there would be a burn taste on it. And guess what we would do with that? We would make chocolate milk. And so I made lots of chocolate milk, witnessing for the Lord. Do, uh, not only does Paul desire to be a blessing to the Roman Christians, but he knows that they will be a blessing to him as well. Paul wants them to know that it isn't all about him, and it isn't all about me. It isn't all about Mark. It's about us. It's about him. Amen? But it's about what we're going to do together to spread, to, to, to spread the gospel so that his kingdom will be enlarged. Uh, let's never get to a place where we're independent of each other. We need each other. While I may have something to share with you, you have something to share with me as well. And I have learned much more. I did four years of Bible college, got a Bachelor of Theology, but I have learned much more in the churches that I have pastored from the people that I have pastored than I ever learned in four years in Bible college. We learn from each other. You learn by teaching. When you, when you are, 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 are preparing to teach a Bible class, you are learning because you got to dig in. You got to know something about what you're talking about. So you got to dig into the Word. And that helps you to grow as well. Let's never Stoop to a, a, a Pharisee attitude, like the Pharisee who said, I thank God in Luke chapter 18, verse 11 to 12, I thank God that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. Jesus com commended the humble, repentant attitude uh, of, of a tax collector over that self-righteous man. The tax collector said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And God said, this man went down to his house justified. Paul's one desire is to bring glory to God to bear fruit in every place that he ministered to people. He desires to he desired to travel to Rome so that he could have some fruit there also. I'm sure the fruit of the Spirit was high on, the, on his list in this respect. 
as was the fruit of reproducing believers and teaching disciples. This is necessary in the life of every believer. When Paul wrote Philippians from Rome, he was praising God for the fruit even among Caesar's household. It's amazing how when you share something with somebody else, it don't just stay there. That's the awesome thing about sharing the gospel. You may feel uh, inadequate in sharing your faith, but you can share it with one person, and that other, that person that you share it like, might be like a bull in a china shop, as bold as a lion, wherever they go, they're speaking about God about God, maybe you only won that one person and that other person will win a hundred people. So you can never judge by, what, by how fruitful you are or, or how much you have produced in your life because one person can be the means of thousands of people coming to the Lord. And then thirdly and finally, a passion for souls. Christians need to have a passion for souls. It's not good enough that I am saved and that I'm going to heaven. If I die right now, I know absent from the body, present with the Lord. That's great. That's good to know. But until Everybody you know knows that you should not be satisfied until everybody that you have opportunity to meet in this lifetime, until they know the joy of sins forgiven, I should not be satisfied. In Romans 1, 14, verse 17, 14 to 17, I am under obligation both to the Greek and to the barbarian both to the wise and the foolish, so that my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also to the Greek, for, it is, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, I'm a debtor. And beginning with those words, he describes the passion of his life. He wants to see other people come into the presence of God. Paul felt a deep debt to those who needed to hear the gospel message. We understand debt as it, become, as it has become a way of life in our society. Very few people that don't have a debt. Amen? We, most of us, we're paying on our cars. We're paying on our houses. You know, we got credit cards and all of that stuff. But Paul felt a debt in a different way. Here in Romans 1.14, Paul is not talking about the economic debt. He, it is spiritual, and it is the concept of an obligation combined with passion. His commitment or debt is further described in verse 15. I am eager 
to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. And Paul is passionate about sharing the good news to all who will listen. Every Christian should be eager about serving the Lord and sharing our faith. We see this passion in new believers, but all too often the passion is not there in seasoned believers. Let's change that statistic beginning this year at Cole Community Church. Get back. All we got to do is just say, okay, I'm going to get back to where I started. When I was concerned about my family, when I was concerned about my brothers and my sisters and my friends, and I wanted them to experience what I had experienced. And so we, we need to be reaching out to those who need the Lord. The word eager also implies a sense of urgency. Paul knows that he only has a limited time to carry out the work in his life. Paul, in his case, he knew that soon he would, be, he would be executed for the gospel because he preached the gospel. But you and I don't have any more lease on life than Paul had. It doesn't matter if you're 20 or if you're 100. Every one of us He's got an appointment to keep with it. Is appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. You may look at me and say, that old guy, like he, he could pop off any time, but so could you. I could still be doing your funeral yet, young guy. I hope that never happens. <laughs> I hope that never happens, but that's a reality, folks. And so, you know, what are we doing for the Lord? Are we concerned that there are people who may not have any more than a week to live and they still don't know the Lord, but you know them? And you've got a rapport with them. And it don't always mean that you're, you know, you're, a Bible thumper where you're, you know, you're just quoting scripture to them all the time. The life that you live. When you say, I'm a Christian, you live like a Christian. You act like a Christian. You talk like a Christian. You don't use foul language. You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't skimp on, 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 on your employer's time. You don't take extra time off lunchtime just because someone else is doing it. You set an example for everyone else. And people begins to realize, begin to realize you don't partake in those smutty jokes. You don't go to those places that no Christian should be found in. And you become an example, and you become a witness just by your life, the life that you're living. Nobody can count on tomorrow. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 
I got a whole lot more, but I'm not going to even try to finish it because it's too much. Guys, being a Christian is a great thing. It's awesome. It doesn't mean that we have arrived. It doesn't mean that we're walking on water. It doesn't mean that we don't mess up. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. But if we do sin, we, we hate ourselves for it. When we do wrong, we're disgusted at ourselves. But we don't have to keep on doing it. We just say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I know I told you I'd never do this again, but I did it. Please forgive me. That's grace. Repentance is saying, I'm not going to do it anymore, and then not doing it anymore. The thing is, most of us are not going to be able to repent today and never have to repent again. We go back to our old ways, we slip, we fail, but we have a God. There's been one sacrifice made for sin forever. Jesus died on the cross. That's the last blood sacrifice that was ever needed to be made. And now all I have to do is rely on that. Ask his forgiveness if I sin and keep going with him. I hope today that as you Go over Romans. Look at chapter 1. I've got, another, I've got another sermon coming up on that, but read it over. See there what God has provided for you and for me. And the fact that you maybe you're not, as, for want of a better word, as good as you would like to be, don't let that be a hindrance to not trying. Paul represents what every Christian should be. We should be, we would be wise to examine our own lives. Are there areas where I need to move closer to the Lord, to his will for me? Are there areas that need to be surrendered? Are there motives that need to be addressed? Are there attitudes that need to be adjusted? We can be used of God to change our community and Lakeland area. But we must follow God's pattern. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're all struggling. We, we're, we're all cut from the same cloth. You look at one person and say, well, I wish I was like him. Well, maybe if you knew everything about him, you wouldn't want to be like him. But he's a child of God. And God loves him. And you're a child of God and God loves you. And if you don't know the Lord today as your, your Savior, why don't you come to him? Why don't you just come and ask the Lord to come into your heart today? Come up here. We'll pray with you. Allow the Holy Spirit to, to adjust your life. There's something that happens. When you ask the Lord to come into your heart, there's something that happens that we can't explain naturally. It's a spiritual work. But once you say, Lord, I believe that 
Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I accept what he did. I accept Jesus into my heart. There is something spiritual that happens that you know, that you know, that you know that you've been born again. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, why don't you come? We'll pray with you. And you can know what it means to be born again. Amen? Maybe you're here today and you've got a sickness in your body. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. What does Jesus say? We go to the doctors. Man, if I didn't, if I wasn't on the medication that, that I was, that I'm on, I'd be pushing up daisies long ago. You know? I thank God for medications, all these things. But praise the Lord. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I've seen people healed when we've prayed for them. Now I've seen people died after we prayed for them too. But that don't stop me from praying. Amen? Praise the Lord. If you have a need today, you want prayer, you come. If you need the Lord as your Savior, you come. If you've been fooling around, doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, you're, you're a Christian and you know you shouldn't, but you need to get back on the right track with God, come. We'll pray with you and help you to have a brand new start. Don't let the devil beat you up and tell you you're no good and you're, you're not as good as the other person. You're precious to him. He loves you. He died for you. He didn't die for you when you were at your best, but at your worst. Amen. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. As the worship team plays, sings, you come and we'll pray with you. We've got people here that will come and help us pray as well. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church place where families connect.